Welcome to the Intuitive Edge, episode 179. Today's guest is a professional storyteller. His name is Jeffrey Klein. He's the founder of Nine Dots Media. But first, I thought you'd like to know. John Mahalski and Douglas Dean, the authors of Executive ESP, researched the intuitive powers of corporate presidents and CEOs. And do you know what they found? They found a significant positive correlation between the precognitive abilities of company presidents and the profits of those companies. Intuitive leadership is profit leadership. Welcome to the Intuitive Edge. I'm Victoria Lynn Weston, your host. I'm an intuitive business consultant, entrepreneur, and founder of Studio Carlton. We're voice designers, producers, and developers of custom Amazon Alexa skills. I embrace big, bold ideas and love doing the unpredictable when it comes to helping business owners and professionals expand their brand, gain recognition, raise their visibility, and most importantly, attract new business. The future is here, and it's all about voice. Check out StudioCarlton.com. Today's episode is all about storytelling, and you always want to tell a story when you're marketing your company. And how do you do that? You hire a professional storyteller. My guest, Jeffrey Klein, is the founder of Nine Dots Media. They help businesses create compelling content that will generate more leads and convert to more sales by producing story-driven visual content, primarily awesome animation, both in 2D and 3D, as well as video production to help brands cut through the noise and stand out and grow. Jeffrey, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Tell us about Nine Dots Media. So we are a, a visual storytelling. So we help people share their message so they can connect with the right audience. So it's about, you know, we, we produce video and animation, both 2D and 3D. But it's really about thinking about it strategically from, you know, we want to create story-driven content because I have a firm belief that we're all trying to communicate effectively. And the best way to do that is by telling a story. And the best way to tell a story is visually. That's kind of my um, worldview, and so that's what I do both as a day job, and then that's what I speak about. So those are the things that um, occupy my thoughts and mind often. Well, you know, they started that marketing, uh, I don't know, not really too long ago, where some of the uh, screenwriters, uh, famous ones, which like Robert McKee and that, gets very involved in and, and the marketing of telling stories. Yeti, who I absolutely love, their marketing is just, it's just so great because you just get sucked into it. It's like, you don't know why, but you want to buy every one of their coolers because <laughs> it's just fun. And then you read their, their, their stories, how they got started and what was happening and the people that used it. And it just, it just brings you in. And I'm sure that's part of the inspiration behind what you're doing because, it, again, you know that the impact of, it, of what a good story is. And it's always, you know, very authentic as well. Well, it, it needs to be. I wouldn't say, it, you know, some people aren't authentic and then their stories don't resonate. So one of, I think, the critical elements of, you know, telling a good story is to making sure that it's genuine. And it doesn't mean it has to be about you necessarily, but if you try and fool people, it's too easy for them to find out the truth. And I don't mind people being, you know, kind of um, aspirational in their stories, but it's important that, that you know, it comes from a, a place of authenticity because people don't won't buy what you got if, if they sense any sense, any bit that you're not being genuine with them. 
So how do you approach a client, a new client that comes in and maybe they just launched their, their dream business of making pastries, we'll say. Sure. And so how do you approach that particular person? Maybe it's a couple and they say, we just launched our pastry bakery shop and, um, in, in town and how do we best tie in stories and how would you walk them through that? There's two, two places we would begin. Uh, one is there, Simon Sinek, who I'm a huge fan of, uh, who wrote the book Start With Why and has a very popular TED Talk called Start With Why. It's important for, and more than ever, to have an understanding of why you're doing what you're doing, not what you do. So there could be lots of pastry shops out there. Why should someone pick your pastry shop over someone else's? And it, it usually isn't the what. People connect with the why. That's the emotional connection people make when they want to decide to be involved with a brand. Um, because some of the what's, you need to have good what. I'm not saying your product should be bad. But if you're really trying to create brands that will stand the test of time by understanding why you do what you do, what your purpose, your belief is, uh, is really the thing that's going to change it. So I start with lots of questions about, okay, why did you decide to do this business? Why is it important to you? What are you hoping to do? And then I shift very quickly to the audience. I developed something I refer to as the 11th commandment. Know thy audience. It's so important. And a lot of organizations and brands still talk too much about themselves. And while it's important to showcase your brand through through your own origin story or things of that nature. Now that you're trying to market it, you need to be thinking about, okay, who is the people I'm trying to connect with? And I always think about it, start with what their problem is. What is it that you're able to help someone with? So whether it's a B2B or B2C, pastries, someone wants something good to eat. That's their problem. They're hungry or something tasty. So how are you going to deliver that in terms of the story of sharing, okay, you're hungry? Guess what? I have something that can help satisfy you. And here's what the impact is going to be. I created, um, you're going back to Robert McKee to, and people who look at story structure and Aristotle, which is a little before Robert McKee back in 350 BC, created what is credited for creating the, <laughs> the three act structure, uh, which is a lot of movies and television are based loosely on having a beginning, a middle, and end. So we developed a, a tool for people, for businesses to help them. They're like, once we got them on board with, okay, we need a beginning, middle, and end, they're like, okay, yeah, great. I got it. Now, now what should the beginning be? What should the middle be? What should... So we created something that I refer to as the story pad. And the PAD represent the beginning, the middle, and the end of their story. And as I said a moment ago, the P, where you begin, the beginning of story is the problem or the pain of your customer. What is keeping them up at night? That's what you have to address because you need to capture people's attention as soon as you can. And there's so much information out there that if you don't capture someone's attention, you've lost before you've begun. And so if I hear a story, if I'm in the, you know, looking for a car and someone says, are you looking for a car? They're speaking right to my problem. You know, and so I think it's really important to start with the person's problem, your customer's problem. And then the A, the middle part of the story is the answer. This is what we do. Our product or service will solve that problem for you. And some businesses stop there. You have a problem, we have the answer. Isn't that great? Let's connect. Wait a second. Sure. Um, I don't like the idea of starting with a problem. And, and I was sitting here a few seconds. And I, don't, I don't like that because I, I like the idea of what is a person's vision? What is a person's goal? I think that puts more of a positive spin on that. 
Yes, except for the fact that human nature is much more concerned with what they might lose than what they might gain. And the pain, because uh, I'm a positive person, so I, I, there's an element of like, well, you're starting with something with a negative. But it's, it's really about the want. Part of what you're trying to do with your story is you want the hero of your story, your audience, is trying to get something. They want something. That's their problem. And you have to be able to satisfy that problem it could be something, you know, I want to be, you know, um, it doesn't have to be a negative problem. You can say the story could be, I want to, you know, it could, you could frame it in a positive light saying, are you looking to be more productive? You know, are you looking to be a better listener, a better husband, a better, where, so there are ways to frame it. But if you're not getting to the root of their problem, they're not going to pay attention. So if someone wants something positive, they still have an issue that they're trying to solve. The problem, that's what's going to motivate them to pay attention to your message. That's what my belief is. And then you talk about, okay, and here's how we can really help you with that. You know, focusing on the issue they have and how you can fix it, solve it, make it better. And a lot of people stop there. You know, you'll hear, you know, I, you know you've got a problem and I've got a solution. But the third piece is, I think, really important. And kind of goes back to some of the things you're talking about in terms of the mission and vision that people have. And that's mm -hmm. the D in the story pad, the PAD. So the problem, the answer. And then the D stands for the difference or the impact it makes in that person's business or life. So if you think about our pastry, you know, okay, I'm hungry. Don't worry. I have the perfect pastries for you. And not only that, when you have them, you'll be satisfied and happy. Like that's the result. When you eat from our patisserie, you're going to end up with an experience that's really meaningful because you've tasted, because we've made this with love and all the care. And yes, you're talking about the ingredients. We've made it with butter. <laughs> yeah, made it with butter. No, so love, so love the pastry butter. idea, though, I mean, I mean, I think that's something that people don't go in because I'm hungry. You go in and have a pastry because you want something that is frivolous, that is sensational, that's, that uh, is exquisite. You know, so you go in there with a, a different kind of attitude. Okay. My car broke down. That's the problem. So and then that, that would be that approach. My, on, in my discovery session with people, if I was talking to the client who was the, the pastry company, when I asked them, why do people come into your store? And they're like, well, they come in for a treat. So then you shift the messaging. So it's not, are you hungry? It's, are you looking to indulge in something sweet? Are you looking to treat yourself? So it's a matter of, of how you position it, but you're still starting with what it is they want. So it may not be just, oh, you know, the need of, you know, satisfying hunger, but there's a need there. Sure. There's a want there that you're, they're trying to satisfy. So I, I think it's important. That's why you have to go through the process of understanding your audience. So you can't uh -huh. have a, a bakery shop and say, hey, my audience is hungry. That's why they come in. Is it? And they don't understand that people come to the bakery not because they're hungry, but because they want to indulge. They want to treat themselves. They want to, you know, they want to. It's an experience. They want to have an experience. Always. Customer that experience type of thing. Is, is, I think, it, it's talked about, but it's probably the, the biggest reason people become loyal customers. If you give someone a good customer experience, two things will happen. They'll come back and they'll tell people about it. It's that's and that so they they're the part of your market. The best marketing, in my opinion, is give someone a great experience. And how long does it take you to put a really good, cohesive, engaging story for your client? I mean, the client walks in, 
whether it's the pastry person or this <laughs> locksmith guy. And then, you know, from start to finish, do they have to bring a lot of marbles to the table or are you going to use your intuition to figure out what they need? So the whole process, so uh, it, it depends a little bit on, is it a live video? Is it 2D animation? Is it 3D animation? We do a lot of 2D animation. So I'll, I'll just give you that as an example. And a lot of people say to me, oh, you know, are you not that interested in, in, you know, the written word because I do visual content. But for every story we craft, where do we begin? We begin with the script. And as a writer, I'm like, if we don't get the, the script right, then I don't care what the visuals look like. So it's not a mutually exclusive thing when you're telling a story visually to forget about the fact that you need words behind it. We are often recording the voiceover, and so we need to be able to have a script to give to the voiceover artist. But getting the script to where it needs to be done, it, it depends on how familiar the people are with it. But we use a creative brief where we ask them lots and lots of questions. And it probably takes one to two weeks to craft the draft of the script to then get revisions and input from the client. Uh, and then we go on from there. Once the script is approved, and that's really important to us that we, we believe in process and having every phase, that we don't move on until we get approval on phase one. Then we move in, we get this, we send the script off to the recording artist, and then we work on the storyboard. And it's a comic book of what your, your video will look like. And different people do it different ways. We go straight to full color storyboards. Uh, we then work, so if that takes a couple of weeks, we then get that to the client for revisions. And then once they've approved that, then we actually move into the animation phase. And again, we will bring it to life, putting in all the elements together, you know, the approved voiceover, the storyboard, and then again, we get their feedback. But because we do this very systematically, it avoids a lot of problems. You know, we've had issues where people want to go back and re-record something. I'm like, we can do that. They say, you know, there might be a cost involved because we've already approved yeah, it. Hello. <laughs> so I'm okay to change things as long as they understand. And I always make this very clear in the front end. We can make changes later. But if it's after you've given approval, there may be a cost because I need to hire them. Yeah, yeah, the voice of ours has to go back and we have to change the storyboard and then we have to go. So it, it's, you know, but I, I think, again, it's really important. I try and give my clients a great experience in terms of explaining the process to them in the beginning, reminding them of the process as we go on, and really communicating those expectations. So that, because things don't always go smoothly, and it's a matter of being in touch with your client to make sure, hey, I was hoping to get this. And I usually try and build in um, time where things might go wrong. So if I think I'm gonna get the storyboard draft on the Friday of a week, I'll tell my client we should get it hopefully by midweek. So I'm doing two things. The hopefully parts, I'm not guaranteeing it because things can go wrong and I've built in my time. And then so hopefully if I get on Friday and it's great and I send it to them on Friday, they've gotten it, you know, it's that you wanna, you know, under promise and over deliver. So I think that's important to be realistic about it uh, with them from the get -go. Well, how do your clients react to the storyboards and that? I love storyboards. I, I have done, I don't draw them myself, but I've hired uh, people skilled with storyboards for some of my own um, TV shows, uh, pitches and that. And so the client sees that. And I think it's, a, it's, the, it's the key to make them understand all the process. And that way they don't have to go back and change their mind because here's the storyboard. See this image is exactly how it's going to play out. And here's the yeah. dialogue. So how do they react? Because that's something that everyday individuals don't get to see right. or get to participate <laughs> in. So it has to be kind of exciting it, to them. It usually is. And more often than not, they, they get 
it's fun. And, you know, for me, I'm working marketing and I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to infuse enthusiasm to the work I do. And I think it's a creative process and they, they, they love it. They're like, oh my God, they can start to see it coming to life. Uh, and I just delivered a storyboard to a client for a, a, an app that they're developing, uh, that they've developed and now they want to do some marketing. So, we, and I think, you know, they said, oh yeah, we want to kind of, you know, showcase different people in different. And so they gave me some, you know, um, direction. And then they saw it like, wow, that that's awesome. Like just, just to see it in that technicolor, you know, comic book type style, I think gets people excited because they can now see from there where, oh my God, this is going to be cool. This is going to be something different. That's going to really help us um, because it, it, people are enamored by animation and because I think it's, it's different um, and it, it's eye catching. And there's, that's the reason people like it is because it disrupts a little bit from what you're used to seeing when you're scrolling. Uh, on oh yeah. Or, like, you know. yeah. Doing what, what you're doing and including that in your business marketing and promotion is, is really key. And it certainly sets you apart from all the static shots or the animated right. text or yeah. the bizarre music that pops up. You're not expecting it, different things like that. So now you got the client come in, you show them a storyboard and then you go into basically the editing room. And this is where the client gets squeamy and says, Oh, I really like that. But can I change the wording on that? And that's where they have to realize that when you go into an editing suite, it's not as bad today as it used to be. But you're paying by the hour, and if that editor's got to go in, and you think it takes a minute, you might as well look at that being an hour. By the time they rewind the thing, and then you have to go in and do voiceovers and stuff like that. So it can be – it's like with anything in life, you have to be exceptionally prepared. So the time to make your changes, people, is when you see the storyboard, not after. All right, so now after you do the storyboard, you go into the production, and then you send them the bill, and then how does it work from there? Well, so one of the things is I'm a content creator. So I create the content. I'm not, I'm, I, I used to do, but I don't really focus on digital marketing. There are other people. So now the question is sometimes they have an idea of what they're going to use it for beforehand. So as an example, I'm working on this animation for a PDF. There, I, I got the gig through a digital marketing company. So they have a relationship in terms of what they're going to do with this piece of content. They want to advertise. So they needed the piece of content to then put on digital or social or other platforms. So my job somewhat ends once I've delivered the final rendered video in whatever form it is. Uh, if they don't know what they want to do with it, I have, you know, um, peers that I would say, hey, there are a couple of people that I think could be good to help you distribute it because it's great to create it. Um, but it, it's no good if it just sits in sits in your drive uh, unless you're going to use it. But, but most people by the most people. Um, Yes. Give me a story on a client that maybe never ever used a, a storytelling um, component to market their products and services, and they were completely wowed by the whole A to finish to and the new clients they generated from it. Um, so it's it's pretty common that people who are not familiar with the process, and they're like, yeah, and I've shown them examples, and they're like, oh, that's a, you know, but they can't they can't necessarily envision it for their product or service. Um, I, I had a client who uh, was a bookkeeper who did training and she decided she wanted to do some advertising. And so um, she decided one of the characters, and this is not uncommon, sometimes they want to see themselves in the video. So she ended up doing the voiceover herself. So we went and recorded it, um, which was not what I always suggest. But again, when you have someone who's passionate and she has a nice voice, it, it, it worked. Um, sometimes I'm like, you know, there's a reason people are professional voiceover artists and I have friends who are that, 
um, and they do this every day. And I think that's the one of the keys to whatever kind of marketing you do is I, I produce video and animation all day, every day. And if that's not something you do, then you, could you go and do it yourself? You could, but it probably will take twice as long and be half as good. Um, and you, it's taking away time. Probably cost twice as much too. At the yeah. End of the day. And, 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 but it does, and you're taking time away from whatever it is that you are good at, whatever your business is. So the, the idea is I'm supposed to take that off your plate. Um, so we finished it and, and she loved it. Actually, we had an issue because when she wanted to um, use it for a 30 second spot and it was like 40 seconds long, I said, I'm afraid we're going to cut some of this because of the way that the voiceover worked. Doesn't usually happen that way. And so she was, she was like, I don't want to cut any of it. I love it so much. We were, <laughs> you know, making a hard decision about which, which element of what she was, you know, promoting to cut. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's really rewarding when you see something. Um, one of the, the, uh, videos we did that I love so much is for an ice cream brand that I happen to love. It's one of the oldest ice cream brands, um, in the country. And, you know, they are pretty, well-known in the retail unit, but they have a whole wholesale distribution and they wanted to reach out to, to those distribute to people in restaurants and hotels and cafes and things like that. And so we created a story about a chef who was looking to compliment his dessert and decided, you know, oh, he didn't know what to do and he needed a flavor and he discovered this ice cream that complimented it. And so we told the story in a way that would, again, resonate with those people who were like, want to up their game from the culinary perspective, here's this ice cream that can really enhance what you're doing. And as silly as you know, ice cream is, um, it helps people visualize, resonate with, oh, wait a minute, I, yes, here's, that's perfect. Let's, let's, let's get that ice cream in. And it's, I mean, it's a fantastic product. Um, but sometimes it takes the story to get people to, under, to, to pay attention, to remember it. I mean, that's one of the reasons the story is much more powerful than information. You're much more likely to remember things when it's told in a, a narrative form. And people debate, well, I, you know, and a lot of business people will, you know, kill you with statistics and information and things of that nature. And it's not that those things aren't important. They're not mutually exclusive. But if you tell, and this is the science that's been done, if you tell someone the information about a product or service, and then you tell someone that's, you integrate that information into a story they're more likely not only to understand what it is that you're offering they're much more likely to remember it and hence increase your likelihood that they're going to convert that into a lead into a sale and that's 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 the science and that's the the that's the statistics behind it that people want visual content they want stories or hardwired from it from you know you're going back to the cave drawings you know we've always been visual storytellers and we continue to to want it um, and it's how our brains are wired in order. That's the, that's what we crave. And so if marketers can tap into that, they can take advantage of what people really want. Let me ask you this. So we have a client come in and, you know, they're wishy-washy. They really don't know which way they're going and they only have $5,000 to spend. And maybe you get it in at 35. And then how does your intuition sort of guide them along the way? I mean, how do you sit there and look at the client who thinks they want one thing and then yet yeah, you think based on their product, they might do better going a certain way. I mean, how does, how does your intuition, because we all know in, intuition and creativity are kind of one and the same in a lot of ways. So how does it work? It, it, it's a balanced approach. 
because sometimes, and you have to fight your battles. So there are times where I have clients that want it a certain way. And I, I try and I try to say is, you know, this is my expertise. This is why you hired me. You know, let me help you develop this in a way that I think is going to be most effective. And more often than not, they, they allow me to do that. Sometimes it'll be like, why don't we wait till the storyboard's done and then we can, you know, revisit that. And then when they see it, they're like, oh, yeah, that does make sense. Um, so it's it's about, again, meeting people where they are. Um, I did a logo. One of the first projects I did was a logo design, and I didn't like the design. They loved it. And it was exactly what they wanted. To me, it was very old-fashioned. And so in the end, I you know I worked for a client, and I, I delivered what they wanted. But that was earlier on. I would have pushed back a lot more now. Um, I think – if you're, I don't want to be a yes man. You know, that's that's not a good relationship, business relationship, just to say yes to people. I had a client just the other day. We finished this. He gave me the approved. He's like approved. I asked for the magic word. Those are magic words for me. And the next day, he's like, "Can we change the script?" I'm like, "We we can't." I said, "We can, but I don't recommend it." And here's why. And he said, "No, you know, you know, you're right." So it's about people are always going to have their opinions and part of my job is to educate them about why one way may be better than another um and sometimes i what i do is i tell them other stories listen i had another client who did this and this is why i work for them um so it's 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 a big part of the game is making people feel comfortable with the relationship with the expectations um and and there's, you know, I'm very transparent. I try and say, you have to trust me on this one. I have said those words to clients, and they usually do. Um, and I think part of it because the people that I work for, that's part of what they're buying into. You know, I have my skills that I'm bringing to the table, my experience, what I'm helping them with. Um, if they are hard-nosed people that, you know, their way of the highway, we may not, they may not be a good client for me. You know, um, and that's part again knowing yeah. your, knowing your audience. Uh, I have. A, so, how long have you been doing this anyway? How long's your business been up? Nine Dots Media. Uh, we're approaching six years. Oh, that's pretty good. And when you started this business, Jeffrey, mm -hmm. did it come to use an intuitive flash, or did you and your significant other, your wife, sit down <laughs> and say, "Hey, let's start this business"? I mean, tell me how the process started for you. Uh, I think it's a common kind of. Um, entrepreneurial stories. I was working at an agency that I loved and they were great, but I, I had run my own business and wanted to have control over certain decisions. Uh, when we started, we started like, what do you need? And so we, we did a whole lot of different marketing activity from brand strategy to website, to social media, to digital marketing. And what I found was that there were certain elements I didn't like. And, you know, once you start focusing on what you really think you're good at and what you really like to do, everything gets better. So the example I was, uh, we were doing some website work fairly regularly and I don't love doing website work. And there's some, I had a partner that was really doing the bulk of the work. And I remember, so I decided, okay, I'm not going to promote it. I just do video and animation, but occasionally people say, do you do websites? I'm like, sure. Cause I didn't want to like leave money on the table. But what I found out was I was actually hurting myself because if I took on a website project, that's another project of video animation I can't do. And I remember it was about two years ago, 
when someone came to me and said, I want to do this website, they gave me, and I said, sure, no problem. And I then, you know, crafted the brief and sent it to my partner and in terms of what it was going to take. And the next day I woke up and I said, what am I doing? I said, and I turned it down. I said, you know what, Mr. Website Desire, meet website person. And I connected the two of them. And that's what I do now. If someone says, do you do websites? I say, no, but I know someone who does. Um, it feels good sometimes to turn to walk away from uh, an opportunity like that because, like you say, you don't want to leave money on the table. But it's more about an opportunity. It's like, oh, I don't want to walk away from that. And so it's got to be somewhat liberating as well. But when you started your company, Nine Dot Media, you know, it's like Einstein, the theory of relativity. He got that in a flash of insight. It took him how many years? Five, nine years, or whatever, to, to write the whole thing out. How did your inspiration? You know, how did this spark? Do you say, "Honey, I got this great idea. I'm going to do it," or did you really? I mean, I know you're an analytical guy. You, you've demonstrated that, mm. but did the creativity and the passion come in? So, well, here's here's the easy answer, which is I I could feel the difference of when I was involved in something I loved. So I, before I, I came into marketing, you know, truly, I worked in real estate and I was a property manager running my own business of apart, you know, apartments and, and commercial properties. And I hated it. I, I hated it. I, I would found it unfulfilling. And prior to being in real estate, I worked in the film industry, which I found very fulfilling uh, because I was dealing with creative people. And so I think it was about uh, returning to the creative roots. Now, I, I always tell people, I'm not an animator, I'm not a designer, I'm a producer, but I work with those creative people. And my job is to be the bridge between the business objectives and the creative process. So that, and that, and I, and and it's easy for me to. The spark is every time I do a project and I go, oh my god, that was fun. I've enjoyed that. You know, there's an old line that if you find if you do what you love for a living, you don't work, don't work a day in your life. And I, and I believe that, you know, I grew up with a, a father and my grandfather who were judges forever. And they instilled in me, you got to love what you do every day. You got to want to get up. You spend so much time working. You better make sure you like what you do. And I had a period in my life where I didn't like what I did. And, and I was working with someone who did. My brother loves real estate. My father-in-law loves real estate. It really, you can see it in their eyes when you talk to them. And so part of the flash and again, it wasn't like an aha moment. It was being self-aware enough to recognize when I was in that flow, when I was like, this is, you know, this doesn't seem like work. Unless other parts of my job that I don't love, of course. But while I'm working on a video or I'm working on animation, I'm in my happy place. And all those different processes, points I've talked about, creating the script, the storyboard, the animate, like I love the, the creative process in terms of creating something that wasn't there before that serves somebody and that's all all those elements are important uh, so what's the goal for you i mean what's the goal i mean you must have a vision about what your goal is and kind of a passion with that the goal is is i mean in a simple way is to continue to do what i love I guess if you look at it from a strategic business perspective, you know, it's to work for um, more well-known brands. I mean, that's, you know, I've worked for for um, startups and for small businesses and they're great. Um, but my goal is to continue to push myself um, to work on, on, on bigger projects that get seen by more people, you know, and to have those stories 
shared more widely. Um, and then in the same way as just my real goal doing all this work is to really, you know, my mission is twofold. One is to help people communicate better, to connect with one another. That's why I'm driven to create these stories. The underlying purpose, my why, is to help people connect. And the way you do that is by communicating better and, and the way you do it is through story and through creating visual content and speaking about it. Like I'm really passionate about people learning that story, why story matters so much and then how to do it better. And so as a speaker, that's what I try and do. I try and tell, you know, share in a fun, interactive way when I do keynotes and workshops, how you can not only understand the science behind the story, and then my signature talk is the science of story, where we really understand how the human brain works and why story works the way it does and how it's effective. And then, okay, great. We have the theory of why we should be doing this. Then it's about, okay, what are some of the tools uh, and ways that you can implement that into things like the story pattern and other tools to help people take their desire to connect with people and using the power of story and visual content to be able to do it more. So are you a meat and potatoes kind of guy? Well, I'm pescatarian. So, <laughs> so I guess I like to figure because you're, you know, very strategic and so much. So it's kind of like, you know, here's this plan A, plan B kind of yeah. thing. I always think what people eat really is, is, is interesting. You know, if you're vegetarian or quasi vegetarian well, or you like meat once on the holidays. Kind of, you know, it's a creative. If you think about sushi, I haven't thought about this to this moment. Sushi is both very structured in the way that it's, you know, created and very artistic and creative. You know, they have yeah. to make, cut it very precisely and then they design it when they put it on a plate. And when I talk about why I love marketing and the aha moment I did have was when I was working, you know, is that marketing allows me to tap into both sides of my brain. I am strategically minded. You know, I went to law school. I worked in real estate. So there's definitely an element. I like plans. I like organization. I love all those things. And I like being able to use that to manifest creative ideas and then execute on them to create something. So it, it's it's that hybrid of, of being able, you know, that interpreter. I use the word bridge. Sometimes I use the word interpreter for me to listen to a business and find out what it is they're trying to communicate and then work with creative people to come up with a way to create something that's going to help them communicate that to more people that they can help they can share what they're trying to do with. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And I hope next time you're ready to embark on marketing and promoting your company that you consider storytelling. It's essential. It's exciting. It's unique. It's different. It'll definitely make you stand out on Instagram, YouTube, and all that. And check out Jeffrey Klein at Nine Dots Media. That's nine spelled N-I-N-E dots media. And let him and his team do some magic for you and your company. In the meantime, if you're ready to raise your visibility, expand your brand, and get on a voice platform like Amazon Alexa, Check out StudioCarlton.com. We are voice designers, producers, and developers of custom Amazon Alexa skills. We can also do some work for you uh, with Google Home if you want that as a platform. But the future's here. It's all about voice. People aren't going to be tethered to the computers anymore. Anyway, and there's millions of users on Amazon Alexa every day using their Amazon Echo devices, the Alexa app, or even in their car. Have a wonderful day. The Intuitive Edge is produced by 
Western Media Group, LLC, Atlanta, Georgia.